Hello and welcome to the Non-Accident Novel Review. I'm Matthew Glasgow. Well, here we are, the last chapter of the novel. It is the conclusion of Connor Dempsey, and unfortunately, it will not be the happiest of endings, at least on the surface. This chapter depicts Connor's last days and somewhat of an afterlife to follow. Connor is trying his best to take in the moments he has left, but the simple and the weight of the relationships he has built over the years. In doing so, he understands that there is so much that he doesn't know, even of those closest to him. Perhaps to keep himself busy, or to capture as much as possible before it's too late, he conducts almost interviews with those around him, furiously jotting down notes to almost preserve it all. Within trying to absorb as much as possible, he attempts to write, to do something to leave the world with, but nothing of significance ever really comes out. Although that could be interpreted as sad, I also saw that as somewhat a good thing. It is tension being released. It is a catharsis in uh, its own right when a person no longer feels the struggle to succeed or make something of himself. To exist is enough. So he lives out his final days, I'd like to say happily, but obviously the gloom of dying at a young age and being denied certain experience is still present. The ending is yours to make of it as you will, but I'm not certain I ever wanted it to be solely sad. I saw some joy in it, even down to the very last few words. Inspiration. I go back to the title once again. The motto, he will not fail. It sets up such an impossibility, as success can certainly be subjective, but there is such certainty in it that no matter the outcome, it will not be a failure. Connor's life is as it was. I believe I depicted moments of effort and bravery with him, but also moments where potential and opportunity was wasted, and he could be labeled as an under underachiever. However, it is the affirmative that his existence on earth fulfilled the motto, as he did affect many lives, continued to be remembered, that paradoxically people would come to terms with his departure over time. It is this slipping into non-existence that leads to peace. Throughout the novel, I have featured characters working tirelessly in reaching their heights as individuals but also on a genuine mission to change the world. Their lives contained, for the most part, a noble cause, but each day contained labor and turmoil. I'd argue within all of this weight of life, each character, and I'd assume most people, had the ultimate goal of peace, a notion they'd hope would be fulfilled on earth. A word which has much nuance in its definition, and likely something that cannot be achieved, be it a personal contentment, where all conflict has evaporated, or on a more global scale, where there is no fighting and everyone has an equal shot. In the end, Connor does find that, and though it may seem grim on the surface, there's hope that such peace is waiting for all of us one day. Not necessarily just death, but finding a perspective in life where you can absorb the good of the world fully 
and appreciate all of its magnificence. Craft and Structure In many ways, the novel ends as it begins. Peaceful darkness and single cell. I hesitate to explain in too much detail, as I want the ending to be up for interpretation, and for readers to get from it what they would like. However, I had the notion of time, existence, as being the circular event. Beginning with a singular consciousness in nothing, splitting into infinite directions, and one day reverting back to its original state. You could say it is my version of the afterlife, or just a somewhat poetic way to describe how life occurs, starting from a single cell and then multiplying endlessly. From that perspective, it is the origin of all, yet incredibly simple and devoid of conflict. Conflict that first began when it was split, split in two. Chapter 19 it could have been any day, his death that is. The treatment options were completely exhausted. The medications did not sedate the cancer, and the decision was made to take him off all suppressants. The hospice team stopped by daily to check on him, and Jenna officially took a leave of absence from work. He just wanted to live his regular life at this point, in his home, with his wife, and with his dog, Bailey. Being in the hospital could have prolonged things slightly, but it wasn't worth it if it meant being tied to tubes and being bathed like an infant with little to no senses remaining. Jenna was kind and loving as always, but he could tell she was also on edge. No matter how cliche, each moment was important. Each morning waking up alive, having a hearty breakfast, anything he wanted, showering, walking Bailey with Jenna as they held hands, letting Bailey sniff every shrub or signpost she desired. What was the rush anyway? feeling the breeze on his face and the warm sidewalk against his sandals, watching a movie or show with Jenna on the couch, kissing her soft cheeks and making love to her on their bed, a small, a soft down bedroom set her mother got for them on their wedding, eating a freshly made dinner Jenna prepared, along with a dessert, which they had in droves, and watching the NBA or NHL playoffs at night when it was just the two of them. And they had their share of visitors. Jenna was fantastic at traffic controlling, sensing when he was getting tired and when company would be too much, and in tune to when he was feeling morose and needed to see his parents or brothers or friends. It was awkward, and there didn't necessarily seem to be a right way of going about things, but he was at peace with all, as well as could be expected. When people came, he mainly just wanted to learn more about them. There was so much to know about everyone and it was tragic how much he didn't really know about, say, his mom. What street did she grow up on? Was she popular? Who was her best friend growing up? He went through this interview process with each guest, and even wrote responses down in a notebook. Everyone was willing to abide, of course, but they also grew concerned about the level of exertion with the questioning, and how furiously he would jot down the answers. These notes he would look at each night, as if studying for an exam on the central people of his life. Conversely, those guests wanted to talk about him. However, they did not want to know what he believed in, if he ever regretted anything, what he would do if he was healthy, even what he thought would happen after he was gone. All they wanted to talk about were pastimes, good old days, and occasionally tales of miraculous recoveries. These people meant well, and they were just trying to uplift his spirit, but he honestly just wanted truth. They owed him that much, at least. He was going to die 
and no amount of hang in there buddies and pats on the back was going to change that. Connor still tried to write whenever possible. Some days with an overwhelming urgency that came with the sickness, the idea of living on through the world and leaving people with some trace of who he was. But the ideas were hard to come by and it made him fatigued quite easily. He, in a way, often did not even want to go there to spend those precious hours exploring what remained of his body and mind and leaving his soul on the paper. He figured he just wanted his life to have meaning, at least one piece of art or accomplishment that would be added to this world. He would just sit and stare at the empty pages, doodling with his pen and just hoping that the words would come, but they never did. He concluded that if he could not write when his time was at an end, it was never meant to be. During his last few days, the coughing was incessant. He was offered medication to sedate him, but he refused, fearing a pill would knock him out and he would never return. He no longer had the strength to leave the bed, and he listlessly lied there watching TV and petting Bailey, who sat on his stomach. Jenna washed him up and asked him if he wanted to see family and friends, and he said he did. His mom, always strong, could not stop sobbing when she arrived. She saw it too often over the years. A person deteriorated and about to let go. His dad saw he was bad as well, but could not accept that his son was about to die. Tomorrow was simply always an option until it no longer was. His brothers said they would never forget him and that if they ever had kids, they would know about their uncle Connor. Burke sniffled and held his hands to his face to hold back from crying. He said he would quit smoking and Connor told him he would always have his back. McNamara and Sheridan were set to visit the following morning, but that night Connor rolled over, kissed Jenna, and said, this is it, and took his final breath. A fantastic bright consumed him, and he was utterly weightless. Without body, without pain, he was just consciousness. All mysteries were revealed in him. All that was to be known and unknown. He was in eternal water, wave after wave fl flowing through him alone but feeling all. He was with Jenna, who was sobbing into tissue after tissue over him, with Bailey, who walked around confused and yelped as the body was carried away. Bailey loved him, and he could now understand her. It was odd viewing his body being incinerated, but that was his wish, to utterly destroy every speck of cancer within him. Jenna would place his urn on the mantle, though he wished he could tell her to just send it with the breeze, but she would know all of that one day. She would dwell on his memory for years and wait nearly 20 years to seriously date someone again. He was grateful for her devotion to him, but he knew she would miss out on the joy of love for so much of her life that it saddened him. Kevin gave a wonderful eulogy at his funeral, and there was not a person in attendance without tears in his or her eyes. Friends and family set up a foundation in his name, and Burke, McNamara, Sheridan, his brothers, and Jenna would get together at Attawak Jack's and reminisce about him. People got over him, as they eventually will, and Connor lost interest in the physical earth eventually as well. His being was consumed in a gentle darkness, an existence bereft of conflict. He, one with all, a single cell absorbed in all there was and all there will be, nothing and everything all at once, peace, final peace. That will conclude the review and reading of Non-Exodus. It has been a wonderful experience for me, and I hope I provided some insights for all of you. My hope is to continue this format for my other novels, but for the time being, I just want to express my gratitude in your listenership 
and support. Please continue to follow social media for episodes and book updates, and visit Amazon for reading options. Till next time.